Thank you. You know, I know that you probably have a, a ton of different Christmas traditions that are out there, and some are really wonderful, and most are, they would be traditions, I guess. But uh, uh, we have different traditions. One tradition in our, our family is uh, it's exciting, encouraging, it's entertaining and enjoyable, and uh, we love it every year. It's the tradition of, of receiving and, and giving Christmas cards and that Christmas letter. You know, our family receives them, and we enjoy people's creativity, and we laugh at some of their antics. And then there are the photos. Uh, you know, it's, the photos are kind of fun, and, and yet... Um, we were in uh, Grass Valley, uh, Nevada City, a couple weeks ago, and we went into this one uh, store, and inside the store it had a book inside there, and the book was called Awkward Family Pictures. So I thought it'd be fun to Google Awkward Christmas Family Pictures, and here are some of the ones I came up with. Uh, that the <laughs> now, the one on your left there, I think the title was Hoppy Holidays. Uh, yeah. The one on the right, I, 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 I'm speechless. It just, uh, yeah. Then here's a great one. Uh, they really wanted to accentuate the kids and how wonderful and how proud of they are of their kids, you know, most wanted, most naughty, and then Santa, Santa's dirty little secret. And then they, if you look closely, they've got their tiny little kids thinking it's cool to smoke a cigarette. I just say, whoa, okay. Then, then this other one, uh, um, I just am, uh, the whole family dressed up in Christmas trees. That's kind of weird. And then let's give our kids some assault rifles. And what cracks me up is that girl's finger is on the trigger. So um, I don't know about that. This last one was, was a lot of fun. Um, whole family dressed up in Christmas boxes. That took a lot of energy, and they all looked pretty happy. I just thought, this, this one in the, the lower right, I'm, I'm just not sure. I don't know whether it's the... Christmas sweater that has them have the expression on their face, and I'm sure, sure just how non-tan they are. <laughs> but what's way beyond the photos, uh, you know, even beyond the, the bragging family information, and you know, sometimes, at least I don't know if you've experienced this, that sometimes the information is just a little too much. I don't know whether we receive this Christmas letter or whether it was from a friend saying, Mike, you've got to read this. Uh, one person wrote in about their, their, their uh, surgery, and they went into extensive detail, and it was something like some bowel reconstruction, something. And it just so much detail, you just go, too much information. Um, and one person we got, they decided to go through every month of the year. It was a few pages, and they shared exactly what they did that month. And it was interesting. But, you know, be, beyond all of that, um, we once again take a moment and reconnect. We reconnect with relatives and distant friends. And we're reminded about both of the joys of the times together and yet also of the distance. And truth is, I do miss my friends and the family that's not in our area. Because we as people, we desire connection. We want to relate to others. And not only that, we desire a connection with God. We desire a connection with God because it's built within every person. We were made to have a relationship with God. We were born yet with a disconnect, a distance between man and God. Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah 59 verse 2, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have 
hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Since the garden, humanity has been and sensed this distance between holy God and sinful man. A sense that God is not personal. An impersonal notion or view of God. And what that does in our life, it leaves an emptiness, a missing piece in life. And a lot of times throughout life, most of the time, we try to put something else in that piece. You felt that, that distance, uh, maybe a, a long-term relationship that ended or maybe something that has happened in your life, a friend that you haven't talked to, you feel an emptiness. Well, expand that a lot, and that's how it is with God. When, when we m- are not connected with Him, we feel that distance. And we try to put all kinds of things in that to satisfy that emptiness. Maybe it's riches or relationships or respect we try to put in there. Or as Solomon described it in the book of Ecclesiastes, we try to fit into that emptiness, bucks, babes, and buildings. It's an outline of the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. But they don't work. They don't bring out the best. They don't fulfill. And so we have this distance with us and God. Uh, Greek mythology and made-up ancient deities have added to that distance, and, and we fashioned this notion that we should be scared of God and cautious around him because he's divine and we're not. We're very different. And his view of a a distance between us and God has been perpetuated. And yet, from the very beginning, Messiah is different. Matthew, quoting Isaiah the prophet, brings up such a a life-changing name for Jesus that it most likely got a huge gasp then when Isaiah wrote it and then when Matthew brought it out again in Matthew chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, open up to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, our handsome ushers are coming down the aisle. They have a Bible like to loan you. Just raise your hand and you can, they'll lend, lend you one. It is a loaner, but it's also good to learn how to navigate through your Bible, whether it's an electronic one or whether it's a paper one. It's good to get used to, so you can kind of get used to how to do that. But Matthew chapter 1, Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Let me just read this passage for you. The last verse is what I really want us to focus in on and launch into our study later on. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, he did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. That had to have come as an amazing shock because people were sensing that huge distance between holy God and sinful man. And now God is going to come and be with us? The amazing, almighty, all-powerful, eternal, magnificent, incredible God is personally present among us? Isaiah first said this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Justin will be expanding upon that next week, but... There, Isaiah prophesied that Messiah would be Emmanuel. The Hebrew word means side by side. 
alongside, personally present with. God is with you. A personal connection between God and humanity. You see, God is not a distant deity, but one who knows us personally. Psalm 139 says that he knows our thoughts. He's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Even before the word is on our tongue, he knows what it is. He knows the secrets of our heart, as Psalm 44 says. And as Luke 17, or excuse, 12, 7 says, the very hairs on our head are numbered, or lessening, depending upon you. And all scripture proclaims that we are deeply loved, that we are greatly known, and of superior value to God. God is not distant. He squeezed himself into the tininess of a human and lived among us, Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11 talk about. He humbled himself. He humbled himself to get us to see, to get us to see that he knows what we're going through. He already knows it, but he wanted to identify with us and for us to understand that Jesus knows what it's like to be human. Messiah came to live like one of us, to deal with our sin issue. And as, as Charles Jennings and, 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 and Handel bring this out as what we sang on Friday, that Messiah shall purify us according to what Denise read in, in Malachi 3, verses 2 through 3. But not as some scary sovereign but as one like us that could relate to our humanness. Uh, Paul, to the Hebrew believers, wrote about Jesus' relatability. And our text for today, if you wouldn't mind taking your Bibles and opening up to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews is found later on in the New Testament. Just keep turning east or just simply click on where it says Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 14. And I know it will be difficult because you got note-taking and stuff, but please wouldn't you mind standing with me and let me uh, read for you our scripture for today as we walk through this together. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Uh, Paul talks about the high priest. Now, every Hebrew hearing this would understand what high priest is. The high priest was, was one of them. Uh, he would be chosen to walk in once a year at the Day of Atonement into the Holy of Holies where God was. He got to have a, a, an intimate meeting with God, representing all of Israel. But Paul knew that over history, there was a distance between this high priest and the rest of the other Jews. And he wasn't like the rest of them. And you know from reading the Gospels how much the Pharisees had distanced themselves from the common man. But Paul writes this, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Three approaches Paul brings out in here that will help us really grasp a hold of Christ this Christmas, to get beyond the decorations and discover Christ. Stay standing for prayer. Father, thank you for your wonderful word and the wonderful reality of Jesus 
our Emmanuel, God with us. Help us to discover that this morning. Help us to and open our spiritual eyes and ears to have us learn something today. Challenge us in our own relationship with you, we pray in your son's name. Amen. You may have a seat, and hopefully you've already pulled out your outline. Uh, there incense high, your worship folder. There's some blanks to fill in. There's some other verses. I've already mentioned a number of them, but to encourage you to take some notes. Three approaches to go beyond the decorations to make our faith firmer as we connect to Emmanuel Jesus this Christmas. The first is to approach Emmanuel in our commitment. It's to grasp that our commitment, our confession of faith, is in one who knows what life is like and is right here with us. We don't have a distant God. We have one who knows everything we've gone through. And so make that connection firm. Let us hold strong because we have the very Son of God that will never leave us. Write down on your notes Deuteronomy chapter 31. D E U T for short. Chapter 31, verses 6 and 7. Look at later and then write down Hebrews 13, 5. For in Hebrews 13, 5, as it quotes Deuteronomy 31, it says, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's just embedded in the name Emmanuel, God with us, that he will never leave us and never forsake us. He is always ever present there. So the command of the verse is to hold fast to our confession. Hold fast to our commitment. To initially first make that commitment. To come to that place in your life where you believe in Jesus. Uh, For me, it happened when I was uh, younger. uh, And a friend of mine came over to my house and said, Mike, you got to become a Christian. I've been attending church and been learning about the fact that I'm sinful I didn't, I didn't really need much reminder. <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes as a little child, you know, try to light the house on fire, you know, steal stuff, you know, little things. And I, I was so dumb. I went, you know, all of our friends got together, hey, Mike, let's go steal stuff. And I went, okay. So they all chose, you know, candy and, you know, stuff like that. I chose a mousetrap. <laughs> I couldn't even sin right, you know I mean? It, <laughs> But, but I knew I was sinful, but, I, but I, what I didn't quite grasp is I, 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 I understood as I went to church that that, that was, God, I was kind of born into that. I was born with this mountain of moral debt and, and then this separation from God. And I try as I might, I can go to church all I wanted. I could, you know, live in the church. I could memorize the whole Bible, but that doesn't change the fact that I'm still sinful. I, can't, I couldn't erase this mountain of moral debt with all the good I had done. And it became evident that I needed a Savior, someone to save me from this sin condition. And that's what Jesus did when he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sin. He bridged the gap. He brought us close to God. And all we need to do to, to benefit from that is to believe. Well, I said I knew about this stuff, but belief is different. Belief is a confession. It's a confession that says, I, I know I'm sinful, I know I need a Savior. I know it's Jesus, and I'm going to commit my life to Him. And so one night, August 22nd, 1972, my friend came over to my house at like 11 o'clock at night, and he said, Mike, you've got to become a Christian. I said, okay, <laughs> what do I do? He said, well, you just pray. What's that? I said, well, he said, well, you talk to God. You can talk to God. Yeah, He's right here with us. He's Emmanuel. And so right there, I knelt down on my bed, and I, I prayed a very simple prayer. Uh, just letting God know I knew I was sinful and I needed a Savior and it was Jesus and I committed my life to Him. That's a great place to start. 
And I know many of you have made that commitment. But I also know in a group this size, there's some who haven't. So I'm going to give you the opportunity right now. So would you bow your head with me? And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If this, this be the desire of your heart, if you want to know for sure that you're saved, know for sure that you're a Christian, know for sure, or have never done it and want, and want to this time, then just pray this prayer in the quietness of your own mind. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just simply pray, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I realize that I'm sinful. I, I know I need a Savior. And Jesus, I know it's you. And so right now, here on this day, December 4th, 2011, I commit my life to live it as best as I can your way. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now don't look up. Heads bowed. Eyes still closed. I want to pray for those of you who made that commitment right now. And so if you wouldn't mind, just without anybody looking around, just look at me, wave your hand, say, yeah, hey, Mike, I prayed that prayer. Okay. One, yeah. If you, one of you. Yeah. Good. Any more? Yeah. A couple of you. Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Let me pray for you. Father, I, I pray for this handful, these handful of people that have just made this decision to start their relationship with you. God, bless them for that and, and encourage them as they continue now to walk in you. Help them to discover even greater joys and depth to you, Emmanuel, Jesus, and help them to grow in their faith. Uh, thank you, Father, for their decision today and bless them, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Those of you who raised your hand, welcome to the kingdom and welcome to the family of God. Glad you made it. That's great. <clears throat> Afterwards, uh, come see me, and then there's a number of pastors and leaders up front. We have some material we'd like to give you if you'd, if you'd like. That'd be great. But, but holding fast uh, to this commitment, this confession we made is important, and we need to keep holding on. The word literally means to seize. It means to grasp with power, to put some effort into it, man, to get a little excited about Jesus. You know, when I, when I think about people getting excited and, about that, I, uh, you know, I my mind a little video pops in there it's a video that's gone viral over these past couple of weeks it's been shown quite a bit at different places on youtube and it comes from a, a couple of little girls who uh, were on the ellen show and they just had a, had an idol this singer Nicki minaj and, and i want you to watch just their reaction when they meet their idol and, and something like that because it has a uh, for us to do as christians check this out Magnificent! I just, I just, I, I just love you so much. And uh, you said that you love Nicki Minaj, right? Yeah. Do you want to meet her? Yes. Come on out, Nicki. Isn't that great? <laughs> but what, what hits me is when I see this video, I wonder how many of us would go, I'm the second Jesus! And yet, the name Christian means little Christ. It means one who is like Christ, the second Christ. How many of us get that excited about Emmanuel, Jesus? that we get so excited that we can't wait to jump up in his arms and just revel in the moment of being together. You see, to hold fast to Christ is to have that enthusiasm and that excitement to jump up in the arms of Jesus because he's right here. I will never leave you or forsake you, he says. 
We need to spend time learning of him. I encourage you to take the, the first few chapters of, the, of each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and read about Jesus. Jump up into his arms and spend time soaking in who he is. Let how much he loves you penetrate every area of your life. And like that child, that little girl who jumped up into the arms of that uh, singer, jump up into the arms of Jesus. Want to and get there. And if you need help, ask. If you do that, you will get beyond the decorations and enjoy Christmas at a far deeper level than before. Here's another approach to look beyond the decorations and connect with Emmanuel, Jesus, Messiah. It is to approach Emmanuel in our weakness. Now, weakness is not a fun word. We actually don't like to hear it about ourselves. It's kind of degrading. Actually, the word in Hebrew, Hebrews literally means sickly, not too sharp. <laughs> no toys in the attic. One oar in the water. <laughs> Elevator doesn't go all the way. Anyways. <laughs> It also means frail and feeble. And yet that's exactly the state we live in because we are feeble. We are frail people who have difficulty living life God's way. We cheat, we steal, we lie, we get prideful. We don't do what God has called us to do and we do the very things God has told us not to do. And our sin-sick condition gets the best of us. And we feel at times at our wits end. We're worn out, and we're weak. And yet there is help if we approach the one who has been there. Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet without sin. Jesus experienced all the temptations out there, lust of the eyes, uh, the, the, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, he was even tempted by the best of the best of evil, by Satan himself. Uh, write down in your notes and look up later, Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. It's, it's the account of Jesus being uh, tempted by Satan. He knows. He knows what it's like to struggle through life. He knows what it's like to face temptation and yet to not to give in. You know, living life God's way, we unfortunately have an expectation we feel entitled that it's supposed to be easy, hassle-free, not all that difficult. I mean, God wants me to, to live right, right? So it should be easy, but that's not reality. We live in a sin-saturated world, and it's going to get on us, and it's going to affect us. And we will have to choose to go God's way, and it will be against the grain. I know some of you follow football and, and some of you know of the outspoken Christian Tim Tebow. He's getting a lot of flack these days for just simply proclaiming that he's a Christian and he gives God praise and glory every time he has an opportunity to. A USA Today article talked about how he was getting flack because he was uh, uh, talking about Jesus and he gave this great illustration. He said, you know, you just tell your wife you love her once and that's it. No, you take every opportunity to tell your wife you love her. I love Jesus. I want to take every opportunity I can. And on his little uh, uh, reflection things, it says Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And you can look that up later for what that means. But it's, it's, uh, he's giving praise and glory to God, but he's facing 
persecution, and he's facing temptation. Being in the uh, professional football world, it's really out there. And we face temptation every day. But to approach Jesus, who's been tempted like us, to approach him is to follow his word. And look at what his word says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Probably a familiar passage to many of you. You've looked at this. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You know, we face temptations. All of us do. And uh, no temptation, you know, you're not, you're not facing the, the worst one more than anybody else. We all face the same temptations. Now done in different ways because we're different. But yet, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And here's where the, 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 the individuality comes in. God knows your limits. God knows the conditions that are beyond your ability. And he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able. So you know that. It's a truth right out of God's word. So don't say when you're being tempted, it's too much for me. God knows. He knows that you can handle this because he said when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand under it. There always is an escape route, always. The idea is we have to find it. <laughs> we have to want to find it. And so how we approach Jesus in our weaknesses by looking for that way out, by following his word that way. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. How we approach Jesus in our weaknesses by doing what he did. As you read that passage in Matthew about him being tempted by Satan, how he resists the enemy is by quoting scripture. That's why it's so important for us to memorize these verses and to get them into our life. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee. How we resist is by memorizing scripture and by using that as what we stand behind. Scripture says this, I don't have to believe you. That's how we approach Jesus, our Emmanuel, and our weakness. You know, thinking it'll go away or, or that's unfair gets us really nowhere. Yet following Jesus' word takes us way past the decorations and brings us to... Uh, an intensely more meaningful Christmas. Lastly, what helps us move beyond the decorations and embrace Emmanuel Jesus is to approach Emmanuel in our need. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, life is not easy. Last week I asked you to uh, give me a prayer request uh, that I could pray for you about privately and, and I received all of those and had a stack of them about this thick from first and second service and I had been praying for you this past week but my, oh my the difficulties and the struggles that we go through as a congregation are intense and immense and God knows that He knows your need He knows what you go through and life has with it ups and downs and, and sometimes the downs seem to be one after another and after another and it gets discouraging and we wait for some relief and it seems long yet that's life this side of heaven Jesus said there will be tribulation there will be struggle but we can make it there is hope in him for Jesus is with us in the process he is helping and teaching and growing and preparing us so approach Emmanuel connect with him pray Read God's word. Spend time worshiping him. Spend time just sitting and soaking in his truth. For Jesus Messiah can sympathize. He went through far more than we will ever go through. Persecuted for his faith. 
alienated from his family, whipped and beaten and scourged and hung on a cross to die. He knows what suffering is like. He knows what you're going through. So that's why 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him. The word cast simply means to, to chuck it onto him. <laughs> Just to throw it onto him. Now, the circumstances of the issue don't always go away, but we can throw the anxiety and the, the worry onto him and saying, Lord, take this. You are wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Here it is. <laughs> I can't handle this. Psalms 42 verses 5 and 6 expand on this. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why disturb within me? Put your hope in God. Trust Him. He will carry it through. For I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember. I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from the Mount of Mizar. Those are places that are distant. Even though we feel a distance from God, we're to remember back to those times when we felt close to Him. Maybe when we first received Him or we had that moment at camp or that moment where we really felt close to Him. To remember those times. Now the help may not be the removal of the issue, but more the strength through it. Remember Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. If you want to get to the heart of Christmas, look beyond the decorations and cast your worries on Him. And as the Hebrew passage says, there will be help in your time of need. See, Emmanuel is right with us. Hold fast to Him. Jump up and cling to Him. And approach Emmanuel in your commitment, in your weakness, and in your needs. And as you do, both life and Christmas will flourish. Will you bow your head with me? Father, as we come before you and just recognize that you have given us yourself, Jesus, to be among us, that you're not distant, that you're very close. May we be like those little girls to just get excited about who you are and to revel in your presence. Help us to experience Emmanuel this Christmas, we pray in your son's name.